you could find. The lyrical, satirical, commercial, controversial, and quite frequently the kind, kind. If you possessed a minimal amount of mind. Examples. Should my nose ever burgeon to that hypertrophic state, I wouldn't wait, I'd urge a surgeon to amputate. It seems to be a rare and rather useful gadget that you sort of stick it in the air and then hang up your hat. Or you might have said, from its size and shape, I'd say it was a rock, a bluff, a cape, a cape, oh no, a peninsula. Or even cleaning it must be a major problem. I suppose that once a year you had a chimney sweep who cheerfully goes and thrusts his gear up Cyrano, 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 Cyrano. Not everyone, I must confess, is opprobrious or rude. A genuine good heartedness leads quite a number to express an attitude less crude. Are you fond of birds? Oh, how sweet a gothic perch to rest their little feet on. Oh. Or if you were somewhat naive, you might say, How much to view the monument? Or rustic. Oh, that's no nose, Pierre. That's a giant turnip or a midget marrow. I'll dig that up. You look for the wheelbarrow. I'm opening a shop. Parisian perfumes are my line. I like that nose on top as an identifying sign. The mountaineers come hither with a tremor on their breath. A sudden sneeze would make them slither to a nasty death. Our more progressive colonels do this weapon by the hour, and in our regimental journals praise its firing power. Emphatic. No wind that blows from near or far, say perhaps a hurricane could give that nose catar. Dramatic. When it leads the Red Sea. <laughs> and lastly, as exalted as can be, the language classic, forceful, deeply felt. Oh, that this too, too solid nose would melt. If you, sir, had a molecule of spunk inside your head and not the folly and fatuity you wear instead, or could be a man of letters, not just I-D-I-O-T, you'd be equipped to best your betters, meaning me, 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 but you haven't any wit. You chirpless, lesser feathered tit In deathless verse or deadly prose To find one word for a single core Of this monumental edifice This fortress, this peninsula This promontory, obelisk This portable Gibraltar Most uncommon phenomena that goes By the name of Cyrano Cyrano Cyrano, 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 Hi, I'm Michael Weber, Artistic Director of Chicago's Porchlight Music Theater. Opening at the Palace Theater May 13th, 1973, with music by Michael J. Lewis, book and lyrics by Anthony Burgess from the play by Edmund Rostand. Cyrano garnered original star Christopher Plummer a Tony Award as Best Actor for his first and only stage musical. 
If you are unfamiliar with the Academy Award-winning film version or any of the 15 times the play appeared on Broadway, the story focuses on a love triangle involving the large-nosed, poetic Cyrano de Bergerac and his beautiful cousin, Roxana, and his classically handsome but inarticulate friend, Christian de Nouvellet, who, unaware of Cyrano's unrequited passion for Roxana, imposes upon him him to provide the romantic words he can use to woo her successfully in mid-17th century Paris. In the early 1960s, producer David Marrick had announced plans to present a musical entitled Cyrano, with a score by Leslie Brickus and Anthony Newley but nothing came of the project. Playwright Anthony Burgess had translated the Rostand play for the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis, and director Michael Langham suggested he adapt it for a musical version. Burgess joined forces with film composer Michael J. Lewis, replacing dialogue in his play with musical numbers, and the completed work was staged at the Guthrie, again with Langham at the helm before moving to Broadway in mid-1973, now with Michael Kidd directing. Late in 1973, another noteworthy event took place with the release of the film adaptation of Eugene O'Neill's landmark play, The Iceman Cometh, the final film to star actor Frederick March, who appeared alongside an all-star cast. March was married to actress Florence Eldridge from 1927 until his death in 1975. They appeared in seven films together, the last being Inherit the Wind, and numerous Broadway plays, including The American Way, An Enemy of the People, and Long Day's Journey into Night. The Marches also appeared in numerous radio productions, including today's broadcast. This being a non-musical version of the play, as with our opening, we'll be peppering in music from the 1973 Broadway musical adaptation throughout. Here now, on the October 12th, 1947 episode of Theatre Guild of the Air, are the stars Frederick March and Florence Eldritch, with Ernest Graves and Horace Brahm in... Cyrano de Bergerac. United States Steel, USS, the industrial family that serves the nation, presents the Theater Guild on the Air. Our stars, Frederick March and Florence Eldridge. Our play, Cyrano de Bergerac, by Edmund Rostand. Adapted for radio by Norman Rostand and produced on the air tonight by the Theatre Guild. Producers of stage plays, including their current successes, Allegro, Oklahoma, and Carousel. Every day, everywhere, you are served by products of steel. In your home, in your business, in your travel. The trademark of United States Steel, USS, on any steel product is your guide to quality steel. And now, from Broadway, direct from the stage of the Vanderbilt Theater, the United States Steel Corporation brings you Cyrano de Bergerac. And here is Roger Pryor speaking for the Theatre Guild.
Good evening, everyone. Our play tonight is the great heroic comedy, Cyrano de Bergerac. And it's still as gallantly alive as it was half a century ago when first produced in Paris. It's truly a love story, not for an age, but for all time. And we're proud to bring it to you now, the romantic and never-to-be-forgotten Cyrano de Bergerac, starring Frederick March and Florence Eldridge. the year 1640 in Paris, a period of chivalry and kings, of elegant ladies and romance, of swordsmen and cavaliers. This is an evening for the theater, and as we enter the narrow theatrical hall, the candles of the chandeliers and footlights are already brightly lit. The two tiers of the gallery are completely filled, while below a crowd surges on the floor in front of the stage, waiting for the tapestry to be drawn apart and the play to begin. Cavaliers, porters, flower girls and pickpockets, intellectuals and pastry cooks, all are represented tonight. But I do not see one certain gentleman, a very important gentleman, a distinguished gentleman. His friend Raganos just over there, talking to Captain LeBray of the Royal Guards, another who swears by the absent gentleman. Monsieur Cyrano is not here. Astonishing, don't you think, LeBray? Why, Ragano? Must the Bergerac be everywhere? Ah, but you know who plays tonight. The hippopotamus again. That renowned actor, Montfleury. <laughs> you know... Our Cyrano so hates this Montfleury, uh, he has forbidden him for three weeks to appear upon the stage. As if Montfleury appears? Trouble. Your pardon, messieurs. I could not help overhearing. Jack, sir. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Baron Christian de Neuviette. Uh, this Cyrano, who is he? Who is he? Baron de Neuviette. You must be a stranger in Paris. I am from Normandy. I've been in Paris but three weeks. Tomorrow I join the guards. And I believe it is the regiment of this Cyrano. I do hear his name freely spoken about. He's one of those wild swashbucklers, a true Gascon, capped <laughs> with three plumes and doublet with six points. His cloak behind him over his long sword, cocked like the tail of strutting Chanticleer. <laughs> and to complete this Punchinello figure, such a nose. <laughs> Young sir, there is no such nose as that nose. You cannot look upon it without crying, oh no. Impossible. Exaggerated. <laughs> you smile and say, of course, I might have known presently he will take it off. <laughs> but that Monsieur de Bergerac will never do. He keeps it. And heaven help the man who smiles. There. Quickly, up there in the box. The damsel, Baron? <gasps> Ravishing. Quickly, her name? I'm not too much of a stranger in Paris, are you, Baron de Neuviguet? Do not joke, Monsieur. For three weeks I've watched her. I am sick with love. Calm yourself, Baron. She's called Roxanne. Surname, Robin. And the man with her in the box? Oh, that man? Colonel de Geese. In love with her. Married himself, but still, as they say, very much interested. <laughs> She's beautiful. Oh, the play's about to begin, gentlemen. Mother enters now. Oh, now the elephant speaks. Rise happy, he who hides from pomp and power. In sylvan shade or solitary bower. Rich, have I not forbade you these three weeks? <laughs> King of clowns, leave the stage at once. It's Cyrano, Cyrano de Bergerac. You disobey me, Montfleury. Go on, Montfleury. Quiet. Thrice happy, he who hides 
Please, Presently, I shall go angry. Fly, go, shoo. Take your wings before I pluck your plumes and draw your guard. Silence! I say be silent. I'll have our theater cured of this carbuncle. Rio says be gentle with my scabbard here. She'll put her tongue out at you presently. Yes, yes. If you prove Attend to me, full moon. I shall clap my hands three times. Thus. At the third, you will eclipse yourself. You ready? One. It's infamous. Two. My dignity. Three. And now, sir, if I may take you by your collar and your breeches and escort Watch them from the box, Valver. His fellow Cyrano had dared to send us home without our play. Roxanne seemed pleased enough with his antics, Colonel Lagish. Then, while she looks on from the box, let us see this fool made sport of. Observe, Colonel Lagish. I myself will proceed to put him in his place. Here he comes. Monsieur de Bergerac. Yes, Monsieur Valver. I think you should be told your nose is rather large. Is that all? I should think it is enough. I know, young sir. You are too simple. Why, you might have said, oh, a great many things. For example, in a manner thus aggressive. I, sir, if that nose were mine, I'd have it amputated on the spot. Or friendly. How do you drink with such a nose? You ought to have a cup made specially. Descriptive. It is a rock, a crag, a cape, a cape. Say rather, a peninsula. Inquisitive. What is that receptacle, a razor case or a portfolio? <laughs> Kindly. Ah, do you love the little birds so much that when they come and sing to you, you give them this to perch on? <laughs> Familiar. Well, old torchlight, hang your hat over that chandelier. It hurts my eyes. <laughs> or to parody Faustus in the play, was this the nose that launched a thousand ships and burned the topless towers of Helium? <laughs> These, my dear sir, are things you might have said... Had you some tinge of letters or of wit? Don't pumpkin wait! What? It seems my sword has gone to sleep. I think tis time to wake the steel. So be it. I draw, monsieur. You shall die, Velvet. Exquisitely. Poet? Yes, a poet, if you will. So while we fence, I'll make you a ballad, extempore. A ballad? Yes. I'll compose one whilst we fight. And at the end of the last line... Thrust home. Some room, my friends. I need room to choose my rhyme. Now, ready, Valver? Lightly, I toss my hat away. Languidly over my arm let fall the cloak that covers my bright array. Then out swords, and to work with all. A Lancelot in this lady's hall. A Spartacus at the Hippodrome. I dally a while with you, Jackal. Then, as I end the refrain, thrust home. Hark! How the steel rings musical. Mark how my point flows, light as a foam, ready to drive you back to the wall. Then, as I end the refrain, touch on! You fought well, Cyrano. All Paris will hear of it, and... (laughs) Well, where won't use his sword for a while? Now, the real reason why you hate Montlhery. Come Well, he sighs and smiles upon the ladies, he who cannot hold his belly in his arms. I hate him ever since one day he dared smile upon... What? Is it possible? For me to love? Yes, I love. May I know? 
You have never said... Whom I love? Well, think a moment. Think of me. Me, whom the plainest woman would despise. Me, with this nose of mine that marches on before me by a quarter of an hour. Whom should I love? Why, of course, it must be the woman in the world most beautiful. Most beautiful? Oh, well, of course, that makes everything clear. Transparently. Your cousin? Yes, Roxanne. And uh, why not? If you love her, tell her so. My old friend, look at me. I have no illusion. Love's no more than chance. I love Cleopatra. Do I appear Caesar? I adore Beatrice. Have I the look of Dante? But your wit, your courage, and Roxanne herself, watching your duel, paler than... Roxanne was there? Her lips parted. Her hand thus at her breast. I saw it. Speak to her. Speak, man. Through my nose, she might laugh at me. That is the one thing in this world I fear. Monsieur de Bergerac, a moment. Yes? It's Roxanne's maid. From her. Monsieur de Bergerac, a message for you from my mistress, your cousin. She desires to know when and where she may see you. Privately. To see me? To see you. She has certain things to tell you. To tell me? Where can you meet and talk? Where? Oh, mon dieu, I... Uh, tell her, uh, the shop of Ragano. Ragano, the pastry cook. Who dwells? Oh, oh yes, it, uh, the Rue Saint-Honoré. Agreed. Seven o'clock. I'll be there. Adieu, monsieur. Me. To see me. Lebray, she knows that I exist. Oh, I'm going to be a storm, a flame. I need to fight whole armies all alone. I have ten hearts. I have a hundred arms. I feel too strong to war with mortals. Bring me giants. <laughs> Come in, Cyrano. Well, are you in a trance? Close the door. You're in the shop of Ragano, baker and pastry cook. Wake up. What, what time now, Ragano? I, I expect a lady. It is after six. It's almost time. Have you a pen? For you, an eagle's feather. I have a letter to write. Now, here's paper, ink, and a table, warrior. I'll take my leave. I'll write that letter I have written on my heart, torn up and written over many times. So many times that all I have to do is to remember... And to write it down. Only to write, to give it to her, and to go. The devil take my soul if I dare speak one word to her. The door. Do I flee or take up the challenge? Here and now. Blessed above all others be the hour when you remembered to remember me. And came to tell me what? I came to tell you. But before I can tell you... Are you, I wonder, still the same big brother, almost, that you used to be when we were children playing by the pond in the old garden down there? I remember every summer you came to Bergerac. Roxanne... Was I pretty? Oh, not too plain. It seems like long ago when I could tell you things. In those days, you did everything I wished. Tell me what you came to tell me now. I think I dare. I love someone. Oh, someone who does not know. He will someday. He loves me, too, and is afraid of me and keeps away and never says one word. I know I see him trying. Yes? This is a secret. He is a soldier, too, in your own regiment, in the guards. And such a man. Yes? He is proud, noble, young, brave, beautiful. Beautiful. What's the matter? There's nothing. So soon we lose our hearts. I love him, Cyrano. That is all. You... Have never spoken? Only our eyes. You uh, 
You say he's in the guards. His name? Christian. Baron Christian de Neuviet. You brought me here to tell me this. I do not yet quite understand, madame. They say that in your company, it frightens me. You are all Gascon. And we pick a quarrel with any stranger who intrudes himself. Is that what you heard? I'm so afraid for him. Not without reason. Oh, well, I, I will defend your little baron. Will you just for me... Will you be his friend? I will be his friend. And never let him fight a duel? Oh, never. Oh, you're a darling. I must go. I always did love you, adieu, Cyrano. We are great friends, are we not? Of course. Great friends. Cyrano, I forgot to tell you. Oh, uh, she's gone. Gone, Ragano. Listen, there was a message for you. The new cadets of your company are assembled at the barracks. You promised to speak to them today. Oh, please, say I cannot come. But, Cyrano, oh, I... oh, are you in pain? In pain? I? At the barracks, you said. Come, they shall have their hero. Tell that to all the world. And then to me, say very softly that she loves you not. She loves me not. No, Cyrano will come, never fear. You'll have your story of the wars. The Spanish campaign. No, the fight at Antwerp. <laughs> Perhaps both, huh? An example in valor for Christian de Neuviette. This pretty young tadpole here. No tadpole, sir. No, a narrow-gutted northerner. <laughs> <laughs> He'll find out soon enough what it means to be a Norman among Gascons. <laughs> Monsieur Lebray, huh? what is the proper thing to do when Gascon grows too boastful? Prove your courage, then, Monsieur Christian. When Cyrano tells his tale, interrupt him, if you will, with mention of that never-to-be-mentioned object. You understand? His nose. He's here! Cyrano! Ah, up front, Monsieur Cyrano, up front! Remember, Christian, prove yourself. It will be sport. Silence now! Welcome, Cyrano. So these are the stout-hearted Gascon cadets. Good. Let blood be your favorite brew. You'll have your taste of battle soon. Tell us of the fight at Antwerp. Antwerp! That defend that time that I marched on all alone to meet those devils. It was so dark you could not see beyond... Your nose. Who is that man? A recruit. Arrived this morning. Recruit, did you say? His name is Christian de Neuviet. Christian? I see. As I was saying, to continue, it grew dark. I marched on, thinking how all for the sake of one old souse who wrote a body song whenever he took a, a nose full. A, took a notion. Whenever he took a notion. After all, I thought. Why am I putting in my... Nose! My oar! Why am I putting in my oar? Suddenly, a sword flashed in the dark. I caught it fair. On the nose! But all of you, all of you! Leave me here alone with that man. Go, oh, all of you, and close the door. To my arms. Sir? You have courage. You are brave. That pleases me. What do you mean? Do you not know I am her brother? Hers, Roxanne, her cousin, much the same. Her, and she has told you? Everything. She loves me? Perhaps. 
Now you must win her. How? Speak, lad. Write to her. A letter at once. If I write, that ruins all. Why? I have a sort of rough and ready soldier's tongue. Ah, but with any woman, paralyzed, speechless. I, I am one of those I know. Those men who never can make love. Strange. Now, it seems I, if I gave my mind to it, I might perhaps make love well. Oh, if I had words to say what I feel here. I wish I might be... You might be my interpreter. I wish I had your wit. Borrow it, then. Your beautiful young manhood. Lend me that. And we, too, make one hero of romance. What? Christian, would you dare repeat to her the words I gave you day by day? You mean... I mean, shall we win her both together? Oh, I'm afraid. Have no fear. It is yourself she loves. Give her yourself in words. My words upon your lips. Will you? Will you? Does it mean so much to you, Cyrano? It means a, a comedy situation for a poet. Come, I'll, I'll be your cloak of darkness, your enchanted word, your sword, your ring to charm the fairy princess. But a letter, I cannot... Oh, write. yes, a letter. A moment. Here, here's one. All but the name. It will serve. But can it fit Roxanne? Like her own glove. I have amused myself, as we all do, we poets, writing vows to any pretty name. Here, tis for one with all names and no name. It will fit whoever has a heart prepared for love. Take it. Bring it to her. You shall see. Roxanne will know this letter for her own. Produced by the Theatre Guild on the air and presented by the United States Steel Corporation. And here speaking for United States Steel is George Hicks. Good evening. I'm sure that most of you know that today the demand for steel is tremendous. That's not surprising when you consider how the nation's normal needs for steel piled up during the war years when the distribution of this vital metal for civilian uses was largely curtailed. U.S. Steel, as an important member of the industry, fully recognizes its responsibility to you, the consuming public, to meet these increased demands. And tonight I'd like to tell you how the corporation is trying to do this job. First, by a fair distribution of its products to large and small users alike. Second, by an improvement and expansion program costing half a billion dollars. A program which will substantially increase U.S. Steel's capacity to produce many of the products most needed today. Let me tell you about a few of the highlights in this program. It includes new byproduct coke ovens with an annual capacity of nearly 2 million tons, new blast furnaces which will increase the corporation's iron capacity by approximately 1 million tons a year, new facilities for increased production of steel ingots, tin plate, wire, and tubular steel products. One of the most critically needed steel products today is steel sheet for a multitude of uses. To meet this vital need, United States Steel has under construction in various locations throughout the country new sheet mills and collateral facilities which will add approximately 750,000 tons to its annual sheet capacity. On the West Coast, the Columbia Steel Company, an important subsidiary of U.S. Steel, recently announced plans for the erection of a large sheet mill in the Los Angeles area as part of its modernization and expansion program. 
This particular project will aid materially in supplying a rapidly growing market for this type of steel in the far western states. There are, in addition, many other important U.S. steel projects. One, for example, will involve $35 million for the development of new ways in which to make use of low-grade iron ores. All in all, the United States Steel Corporation is currently spending at the rate of $20 million a month on all of these activities. I think you'll agree that this program is striking proof of the determination on the part of U.S. Steel to take care of its responsibility in meeting the steel needs of the nation. I think you'll agree, too, that this one-half-billion-dollar improvement and expansion program indicates clearly U.S. Steel's faith in the future and that it will continue to do everything in its power to provide more and better steel for an ever-growing America. We pause now for station identification. Listening to the Theatre Guild on the Air, presented by the industrial family that serves the nation, United States Steel. And now the curtain rises on the second act of Cyrano de Bergerac, starring Frederick March as Cyrano and Florence Eldridge as Roxanne. Cyrano de Bergerac is in love with his cousin Roxanne, but will not speak for fear she may ridicule his comically huge nose. Roxanne loves Christian, and Cyrano decides to help him win her. Our scene now is Roxanne's garden some evenings later. Roxanne has just received a letter signed by Christian, but written by Cyrano. And so you find Christian intellectual? No man ever so beautifully said those things, those pretty nothings that are everything. Sometimes he falls into a reverie, his inspiration fails. Uh-huh. Then all at once he will say something absolutely... Oh. Really? Hmm. He uh, talks well about matters of the heart? He does not talk, he rhapsodizes, dreams. He, uh, he writes well? Wonderfully. Listen now to this letter. Take my heart. I shall have it all the more, plucking the flowers we keep the plant in bloom. He writes merely in the fashion. Fashion? Why, this is true eloquence. He goes on, knowing you have more heart to give than I to find heart room. First he has too much and then too little. Just how much heart does he need? You're jealous. You're teasing me. Jealous? Of his poetry. And these last lines, are they not the last word in tenderness? There is no more to say. Only believe that unto you my whole heart gives one cry, and writing writes down more than you receive, sending you kisses through my fingertips. Lady, oh, read my letter with your lips. Hmm, yes, it's those, those last lines. But he overwrites. Listen to this. You know them all by heart? Every one. I may call that flattering. He's a master. Oh, come now. Yes, a master. A master, if you will. And now I must leave, Cyrano. If Christian comes, tell him to wait here in the garden. Oh, you, when he comes, what will you talk about? About, about nothing, or about everything. I shall say, speak of love in your own words. Improvise, rhapsodize, be eloquent. But not a word to him. Oh, not a word. 
Good night, my friends. Christian. Good evening, Cyril. Come, now look intelligent. I have your theme for tonight. Come and learn your lines. No, I say. I've had enough. I will not learn your lines anymore. It was a game at first, but now she cares, thanks to you. I'll speak for myself now. Undoubtedly. Why not? I'm no such fool. You shall see. By heaven, I know enough to take a woman in my arms. Over there, at her door. Roxanne and Colonel de Guiche. He's taking his leave. Be quiet. Stay out of sight. Oh, when shall I see you again, Roxanne? I must be with you. I cannot answer now. We may leave for the front at any time. Oh, I'm mad about you. Let me take you in my arms to feel your lips. Why, that... If you please, monsieur, I'm expecting someone in the garden. Then I'll go. But I shall have my will with you yet. Adieu. If you would speak for yourself, Cyrano. Christian, Christian. You would best begin at once. Cyrano, wait. Wait, here she comes. No, no, no. You said you wished to speak for yourself, so be it. Farewell, my friend. Is that you, Christian? Let us stay here in the twilight. The air is fragrant. We shall be alone. Roxanne. Sit down there. So, now, tell me things. I love you. Yes, speak to me about love. I love you. The eloquent you have your theme, improvise, rhapsodize. I love you... So? Of course, and then? Oh, I should be so happy if you loved me, too. Say that you love me, too. Tell me first a little how you love me. Tell me how you feel. Your throat. If only I might kiss it. Christian. I love you so. Again? I do not love you. Oh? I adore you. And now, if you'll excuse me. No, wait, wait, please. I was going to say... That you adore me. Yes, I know that, too. Roxanne. No, go away. Gather your dreams together into words. Till then, adieu. You must have been a great success. Help me. I cannot live unless she loves me. Oh, the devil am I to teach you now. Look up there. She's at a window. A window. We might... Well? Well? It does seem fairly dark. Let us try what can be done. Stand over there. No, no idiot. There. Before the balcony. Let me stand underneath where I'll be out of sight. I'll whisper to you what to say. Now call her. Call her. Roxanne. Wait, here. These pebbles at her window. Who is calling? Christian. I had to tell you... Good. Keep your voice down. No, go away. You tell me nothing. You do not love me anymore. Please. Not anymore. I love you evermore. Not anymore. I love you evermore. And ever more and more. And ever more and more. A little better. But tell me, why do you speak so haughtingly? Has your imagination gone lame? Christiana, this grows too difficult. Here, under the bush. Under the bush. I'll speak for you. Your words tonight hesitate. Why? Through the warm summer gloom, they grope in darkness toward the light of you. My words, well aimed, find you more readily. My heart is open wide and waits for them. Too large a mark to miss. Moreover, yours fall to me swiftly. Mine more slowly rise. Yet not so slowly as they did at first. 
They have learned the way, and you have welcomed them. Am I so far above you now? So far. If you let fall upon me one hard word out of that height, you crush me. I'll come down. No. Stand you on the bench. Come near. No. And why so great a no? Let me enjoy the one moment I ever... My one chance to speak to you unseen. Unseen? How can you know what this moment means? If ever I was eloquent. But tonight, I indeed speak for the first time. Your voice even is not the same. How should it be? I have another voice tonight. My own, myself, daring to speak of love. I love beyond breath, beyond reason, beyond love's own power of loving. Your name is like a golden bell hung in my heart. And when I think of you, I tremble and the bell swings and rings, Roxanne. Roxanne. Along my veins, Roxanne. Yes. That is love. Love. That dark fire. That music. Can you feel my soul there in the darkness breathe on you? Oh, but tonight, now, I dare say these things. I, to you, and you hear them. It is too much. In my most sweet, unreasonable dreams, I have not hoped for this. Now let me die, having lived. It is my voice, mine, my own, that makes you tremble there in the green gloom above me. For you do tremble. As a blossom among the leaves, you tremble. And I can feel all the way down along these jasmine branches, whether you will or no, these blossoms. Yes, I do tremble. And I weep. And I am yours. And you have made me thus. What is death like, I wonder? I know everything else now. I have done this to you, I, myself. Only let me ask one thing more. Ask her one kiss. Christian, you go too far. You ask me for... I, yes, but I mean... She is willing. Why not make the most of it? I was about to... But I, I know I ask too much. Win me that kiss. Are you still there? We were speaking of... A kiss. The word is sweet. Are your lips afraid even of its burning name? And what is a kiss when all is done? A promise given under seal. A secret whispered to listening lips apart. A moment made immortal with a rush of wings unseen. A sacrament of blossoms. Then come gather your sacred blossoms. Go on, Christian. Climb. Come gather your moment made immortal. Climb up, animal. Should I push you? Roxanne, I come to your arms, your lips. My own love. My heart. Oh, Roxanne, the feast of love, and I am Lazarus. But I have something here that is mine now and was not mine before I spoke the words that won her, not for me. Kissing my words, 
my words upon his lips. Vos in matrimonium, in nomini patris et fili, et spiritus sancti. Amen. Christian, my husband. My beloved. Cyrano, we owe so much to you. So much more than I can say. Bless you both, my children. Father. Yes, my son. Our thanks for this service tonight, and a purse for your convent. Thank you, worthy sir. Who can that be? Christian, would you? Disturb so recent the bridegroom? No, I'll go. Ah, Colonel de Guiche. Pleasure to see you. But at this hour... It appears I intrude. Roxanne, I would speak with you a moment. Then speak before Christian and Cyrano. I came to say farewell. You leave Paris? Yes, for the front and war. Roxanne, I've arranged a rendezvous where we can meet if only for an hour. Before you go too far, my lord, Roxanne and Christian de Neriette this very moment have exchanged rings. What, do you say? They are joined in wedlock. Joined in wedlock. My sincere compliments. Then, madame, kindly bid your husband farewell. His regiment leaves tonight for the campaign in Flanders. They march immediately. No. Roxanne, beloved. I cannot let you go, Christian. You must not. It is better quickly. Your lips once again, my darling. And farewell. <gasps> and now, my colonel, I follow you. Madame, adieu. Christian, my beloved. Cyrano, wait. Take care of him for me. I'll do my best, but I cannot promise you. And have him write me every single day, even from the field of battle. That I promise. Oh, hello! That's your act, you idiot. Who else at this hour? Thank heaven, Cyrano. You saved. Morning, Lorraine. Madness. You risk your life every morning before breakfast to send a letter. I promised he should write her every day. Is Christian asleep? There, under the blanket. And the boy looks pale, thin too. Starving to death, all of us. Fine war, fine situation. We besiege Arras. The Cardinal Prince of Spain beseeches us. Someone might besiege him. A hungry joker, we are hungry men. Shall we eat today, my Shh, captain? Someone comes. Ah, Colonel de Guiche. Perhaps he brings food. With his collar of lace, not he. Good morning, gentlemen. I bring news. The Spaniards will attack at dawn. You have perhaps an hour. An hour? The great thing is to gain time. And to gain time? You will be so kind as to lay down your lives. Ha! Your revenge. As you choose to think, Cyrano. But since you Gascon gentlemen esteem yourselves invincible, the bravest of the brave, who love to fight against great odds, here's your opportunity. an hour, Cyrano. I should like to say farewell to her. I thought of that. I have written your farewell. Here, Christian. Hey, look. This little spot. A spot? Yes, a tear. Oh, so it is. Well, uh, a poet, while he writes, is like a lover in his lady's arms, believing his imagination. Now, this letter, as you see, I've made so pathetic that I wept while I was writing it. You wept? Oh, hold on Look there, a coach. It must have driven through the Spanish lines. That woman who descends. Cyrano, 
It's she. Roxanne. Here to see me. Wait, wait. About your letters. Uh, do not make the mistake of showing surprise. Surprise? Why? Uh, you, you have written oftener than you think. I, I wrote sometimes without your knowing. How did you send all these letters? Before daylight, I managed. I, I took them through the line. Perfectly simple. So I wrote to her how many times a week? Twice? Three times? Four? Every day. Now, now go to her. And that brought you up into such a flame that you faced death? Go, go to meet her. She's come for you. I am only Cyrano. I am a ghost who plays at love. Letters, then, brought you over ruined roads, through enemy lines? Yes, Christian. Every page of them is like a petal fallen from your soul, sweet and strong and true. You felt that, Roxanne? You know how I feel. I came here to say forgive me. It is time to be forgiven now when death is present. Forgive me for being light and vain and loving you only because you are beautiful. Roxanne. It is your self I love now, your own self. You must have suffered, for you must have seen how frivolous I was until with words you revealed your heart. Roxanne, it was best before. Why did you change? Dear Christian, I can love more of you now. If you were less lovable, less charming, ugly even, I should love you still. Ugly? Yes, even then. Now are you happy? What is it? Your face. Tell me, where are you going? Christian! Christian! Christian, what's wrong? She does not love me anymore. She loves you. No. She loves only my soul. And that means Cyrano. I, Christian, I... Look at me. She would love me... If I were ugly. She, she said that? Do not believe such madness. Let her choose between us. You must tell her everything. No, no, you torture me. What of my torture? I want her love for the poor fool I am, or not at all. She's waiting just beyond. Roxanne! Roxanne, over here! And if it's not to be, by then this war shall take my valor my arms. Christian, why did you run off? Cyrano has news for you. Something you must know. And now I have a rendezvous that cannot wait. Adieu, my heart. But where? What's the matter with him? He acts so strangely. Roxanne, I must join the battle. Quickly. Was it true what you, what you told him just now? That you would love him even, even if... Even if he were... Say it. I shall not be hurt. Ugly. Even then I should love him. Hideous. Disfigured. But disfigured. But you could love him so as much as... Yes, and more. Roxanne, listen. After the battle, I must no. tell you... I have been looking for what you. What is it, Lebray? Speak, man. Christian. The first volley. Christian. Dead. No, no. This letter over his heart. For you, my darling. Mine and his blood, his tears are on it. Roxanne, the firing. He must not stay here. Was he not a great lover, a great man, a hero, a poet unknown? Yes, Roxanne. A heart deeper than we knew, a soul magnificently tender. Yes, Roxanne. He is dead now. I, too, am dead. And my love mourns for me and does not know. They come, the Spaniards. Farewell, Roxanne. 
I have two deaths to avenge now. Christian's and my own. Here in Andrew Berjak, produced by the Theatre Guild on the air and presented by the United States Steel Corporation. And here again, speaking for United States Steel, is George Hicks. Just a while ago, I reported that the United States Steel Corporation is currently spending at the rate of $20 million a month to improve and expand its facilities. I also gave you a few revealing examples of how this money is being spent. Right now, I'd like to tell you about still more of the plans now being carried forward by U.S. Steel and its member companies in every part of the country. In this way, I believe you'll be able to get a clear picture how U.S. Steel is doing everything in its power to meet the imperative demand for steel. At National Tube Company's Lorraine, Ohio plant, three new Coke oven batteries were completed this week. Now under construction, there is an entire new Bessemer steel plant, a new continuous seamless pipe mill, and a number of other new mills which, when completed, will increase the pipe capacity at Lorraine Works to the extent of approximately 150,000 tons annually. In Birmingham, Alabama, the Fairfield Sheet Mill of the Tennessee Coal, Iron, and Railroad Company, another member of the United States Steel family, is modernizing and improving its facilities for the production of sheet steel. Upon its completion, it will be one of the most up-to-date sheet mills in the entire steel industry, thus benefiting the whole southern part of our country. The United States Steel Supply Company has just completed a new warehouse in St. Louis, Missouri, and is building another in Cleveland, Ohio. These additions will help speed the distribution of steel products to both large and small users. And out on the West Coast near San Francisco, a new modern $25 million tin plate and sheet mill of Columbia Steel Company will produce almost 350,000 tons of tin plate and steel sheet every year, meaning a great new supply of steel in the far west for tin cans, refrigerators, stoves, and thousands of other things. In almost any direction you look these days, United States Steel is working, planning, building to satisfy the steel demands of the present and also the future. That's one of the jobs, one of the duties of the industrial family that serves the nation, United States Steel. Hi, this is Porchlight Music Theater Administration Associate and Box Office Manager, Alana Kennedy. If you value programming like this, please consider making a donation today at porchlightmusictheater.org. We appreciate your consideration and hope you enjoy the show.
to the Theater Guild on the Air, presented by the United States Steel Corporation. And now the curtain rises on the third act of Cyrano de Bergerac, starring Frederick March and Florence Eldridge. Fifteen long years have passed. It's now 1655. Roxanne, for all these years, has lived with her widow's weeds at a lodging in the convent of the Ladies of the Cross. Fifteen years in the glowing memory of her love. Now in the October twilight, Roxanne sits in the garden of the convent with the Guiche, watching the leaves fall from the trees. And you remain here, wasting the gold of your days. Forever in mourning. Forever. And still faithful. And still faithful. His last letter always at my heart. Sometimes I think he has not altogether died. And Cyrano, do you see him often? I must admit time has mellowed me. I've grown to like the fellow. My old friend takes the place of my gazette and brings me all the news. It must be 14 years that he has come here every Saturday... When the afternoon hour strikes, I hear his cane tapping the steps. Then he tells the story of the past week. Ah, oh, there's Lebray. How is it with our friend Cyrano? Good day, madame, monsieur. As, uh, for Cyrano, it's, as I've warned him so often, the satires make a host of enemies. But they fear that sword of his, I'm told. Still, the other day at court, someone said, this man Cyrano may die. 
accidentally. Oh, not Cyrano. <laughs> he'll die as he chooses. It's almost time for his visit. And so if you'll excuse me, gentlemen. Of course, madame. Adieu. Adieu, gentlemen. I could not tell her. She need not know so soon. I have come from him just now. Our friend Cyrano. What do you mean? This afternoon, as he passed at the corner of the street, could it have been an accident? From the window overhead, a lackey with a heavy log of wood. Let it fall. Cyrano. I ran to him. I found him lying there. Badly hurt. Is he alive? Yes. I carried him to his room, unconscious. The doctor said fever, lesions. Ah, if you had seen him there. So brave. And yet so near his death. Let us go quickly. He may need our help. There, the hour he'll be coming now. My embroidery, so. All done striking. He never was so late before. Ah, oh, his cane, nothing could ever keep him away. So dear a friend, so dear and true. After 14 years late, for the first time. Yes. Yes, maddening. I was detained by a visitor. Most unexpected. A friend? Well, let us say a very old acquaintance. Did you tell him to go away? I said, excuse me, this is Saturday. I have a previous engagement, one I cannot miss even for you. <laughs> Come back. An hour from now. Your friend will have to wait. Sit down. I shall not let you go till dark. Perhaps a little before dark, I must go. The leaves, they go too. Look at them fall. Yes. They know how to die. They go down gracefully. Melancholy, you... Come, tell me now the court news, my gazette. Uh, let, let me see. <clears throat> Saturday, the 19th. The, the king fell ill after eight helpings of grape marmalade. <laughs> his malady was brought before the court, found guilty of high treason, whereupon his majesty revived. <laughs> <laughs> the royal pulse is now normal. Note, they say... Yes? Ligdemir has a new lover. Oh. Tuesday, the 22nd. All the court has gone to Fontainebleau. Pain. Here? Cyrano. Nothing. It's my old wound from Alice. Sometimes. But it, 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 it is nothing. It will soon be gone. There. It is gone. We all have our old wounds. I have mine here in my heart. This faded scrap of writing. It is hard to read now. Faded as the twilight falling over us. His letter. Did you not promise me that someday... That someday you would let me read it? His letter, you... I wish today to read it. Aloud. Here. Open it. And read. Farewell, Roxanne. Because today I die. I know that it will be today. My own dearly beloved. And my heart still so heavy with love I have not told. 
And I die without telling you. How well you read it. I remember now the way you have of pushing back a lock of hair with one hand from your forehead. And my heart cries out. His letter, and you read it. Cries out and keeps crying, farewell, my dear, my dearest, my own heart's own. In such a voice. My love. As I remember hearing long ago. I am never away from you. Even now, I shall not leave you. In another world, I shall be still that one who loves you. Loves you beyond measure. Beyond... How can you read now? It is dark. Roxanne. And all these 14 years, you have been the old friend who came to be amusing. It was you. I might have known every time I heard you speak my name. No, it, it was not I. I. I understand everything now. The letters, that was you. And the dear foolish words, that was you. No, I swear. And the voice in the dark, that was you. On my honor. And the soul, that was all you. I never loved you. You loved me. Even now you love me. No. And why so great a no? No, no, my own dear love. I love you not. Why were you silent for so many years? Why do you break that silence now? Sir, no. I knew it. He's here. The brave, what is it? He has killed himself, madame, coming here. He's badly hurt. Oh, what does he mean, Cyrano? I did not finish my gazette. Saturday, 26th. An hour or so before dinner, Monsieur de Bergerac died. Foully murdered. You shall not die. I love you. That is not in the story. Ah, there's the moon rising. I shall be there presently. The moon. Yes, that would be the place. My kind of paradise. Delirious. Such a friend, such a poet, such a man. To die so. To die so. Here lies Hercule Savinien de Cierno de Bergerac, who was all things and all in vain. Well, I, I must go. Your pardon. I cannot stay. My, my moonbeam comes to carry me away. Oh, my love. I never loved but one man in my life. And I have lost him twice. Now let, let me up. It's coming. I feel already shod with marble, gloved with lead. Let the old fella come now. He shall find me on my feet, sword in hand. Thus, I can see him there. He grins. He's looking at my nose, that skeleton. What's that you say? Hopeless. I very well. But a man does not fight merely to win. You there, who are you? My ancient enemies. 
Beware my sword. Falsehood. Death. Tragedies. Compromise. Cowardice. I trust hope. What's that? No. Surrender. No. I fight on. I fight up. Look, let's catch him. He falls. Gently, old friend. Lie down here. On the leaves. Dark sun. Yes, Cyrano. Open your eyes. You remember when beauty said, I love you to the beast that was a fairy prince? His ugliness changed and dissolved like magic. Cyrano. And tonight, when I enter before God, my salute shall sweep all the stars away from the blue threshold. There is one crown I bear away with me. One thing without stain. Unspotted from the world. Across my life. One whispering silken gown. <laughs> on the Theatre Guild on the Air production of Cyrano de Bergerac by Edmund Rostand. Sponsored by the United States Steel Corporation. Starring Frederick March and Florence Eldridge. We were also fortunate in having in our cast tonight Ernest Graves, Horace Braham, Hiram Sherman, Peter Capel, Paula Lawrence, Anthony Jordan, Leopold Badia, and Elliot Reed. Now here is Roger Pryor with a word about next week's play. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, the Theatre Guild on the Air travels to Boston, where we're pleased to present Gertrude Lawrence in one of her most celebrated vehicles, Lady in the Dark, a musical play by Moss Hart. The original lyrics were written by Ira Gershwin, and the original music was composed by Kurt Weill. Featured with Miss Lawrence will be John Conti, currently appearing on Broadway in the Theatre Guild production Allegro, and Bert Lytell, recreating his original role in Lady in the Dark. Remember, next week from the Boston Opera House, Lady in the Dark, starring Gertrude Lawrence. And remember, too, that the trademark of United States Steel, USS, on any steel product is your guide to quality steel. The Theater Guild. 
Wild on the Air is under the supervision of Lawrence Langner and Teresa Helburn, with Homer Fickett directing. Carol Irwin is production executive and our minor marshal executive director. Music was composed and conducted by Harold Levy. Tonight's radio play of Cyrano de Bergerac was based on the Brian Hooker version as originally adapted for Walter Hampton. Frederick March and Florence Eldridge will soon leave for Hollywood to make the motion picture version of the Broadway success Another Part of the Forest. Your announcer, Norman Brokenshire. The United States Steel Corporation hopes that you'll be with us next Sunday at the same time. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. In 1938, Frederick March was one of many Hollywood personalities who were investigated by the House Un-American Activities Committee, also known as HUAC, as part of the hunt for communists in the film community. In July 1940, he was among a number of individuals who were questioned by a HUAC subcommittee. Later in 1948, he and his wife Florence Eldritch sued the anti-communist publication Counterattack for defamation, seeking $250,000 in damages. The suit was settled out of court. Actor Christopher Plummer made his Broadway debut in 1954 in the play The Star Cross Story. He received two Tony Awards, one for Cyrano in 1974 and the other for Best Actor in a Play portraying John Barrymore in Barrymore in 1997. His other Tony-nominated roles include J.B. in 1959, Othello in 1982, No Man's Land in 1990. King Lear in 2004, and Inherit the Wind in 2007. Before we go, here's one more number from Cyrano. For 14 years you played the droll old friend, never a hint of... Oh no, Roxana. So it was you. It was not I. I see through it all now, the dear foolish words. It was not I. The voice in the night. Upon my honor. It was all and always you. I never... Loved you. It was your tears that stained that letter I held to my breast. I never loved you. I may not lie and say I loved you, not I. I never loved you, that word must fly and die like smoke in the sky. Be thankful for the love that lives on, but sometime let fall just one gentle tear upon the memory of this truth or this love I never loved you my dear love not I
heart in a yes the answer is no and no and I'll still say it the day I die I never loved you my dear love Theaters across the country need your support now more than ever. We hope you'll consider a donation to Porchlight Music Theater today. Just go to porchlightmusictheater.org. Until next time on Classic Musicals from the Golden Age of Radio, I'm Michael Weber. Michael Weber.